Fantasy rap. With Austin and Ozzy. Oh, I just love those boys. Hey everyone, this is Fantasy Rap, and I'm your host, Ozzy. And I'm your co-host, Austin. You can find us on FantasyRap.com. That is FantasyWrap.com. We're hoping you listened to our first podcast, and that is what brought you back. If not, and this is your first time listening, we are Fantasy Rap, and we are going to be the podcast that you listen to for your fantasy football needs. We will give you information that puts you in the position to win on a weekly basis during the season and throughout your playoffs. This will include information on fantasy football format, impact on drafting a team, which is our topic for this week's podcast, to fantasy football software in upcoming, uh, excuse me, in upcoming podcasts. During the season, you will receive weekly feedback on players who performed way above or below their projected point estimates, known as our studs and duds, and whether they will continue with that trend. We will be answering email questions weekly and we'll be interviewing some interesting people in the NFL landscape in the future. So let's jump into this week's topic, fantasy football formats and how they impact drafting. So our first topic of the uh, week is number of teams in the league and how that impacts how you would draft in a, in, in a fantasy draft. So, you know, the differences here are eight teams, 10 teams, 12 teams, 14 teams, 16 teams, Uh, I've played in leagues that have had 10 or 12 teams. I play in a league that has 16 teams and two running backs. What what do you normally see? Um, Well, yeah, just my main one is the, uh, we used to be 18, then we went to 10 after a couple years, and then I believe we have 12 now, um, and that's full PPR. So, um, yeah, that's mainly it. The family league that I play in every year is 10 of us, I believe. Um, and that's a half PPR for the for the scoring. So. Gotcha. Yep. So you look at that and you think in a 16-team league, you've got two running backs on each roster. Well, two starters on, on each team. And, well, there are 32 teams. There are two, 32 starting running backs in our league. Yes, there are a couple of teams that use running back by committee. I get that. But, you know, when you're drafting you have to look at how many teams there are in the league, how many of each position. I mean, when you're talking about 32 wide receivers, well, 32 wide receivers accounts for about a third of the starting wide receivers because most teams employ three wide receivers. Most teams don't employ two running backs. So when you're going into your draft, you really have to think long and hard about, you know, what what am I looking for to make sure that I have coverage on a weekly basis because there are going to be buys and you certainly don't want to have uh, one starting running back on your team and not be able to use anything during those bye weeks. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of people go into those drafts and they think about, can I take, do I take two running backs? Do I take three starting running backs? I've, I've been in leagues where, or in drafts where, you know a Patrick Mahomes or a, an Aaron Rodgers is going to go in the first round. Yeah. Or or early in the second. Usually happens in family leagues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you when you get homers, yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, you also think about, I mean, how many how many Kelseys are there out there? Yeah. 
how many of the top wide receivers? Well, you know, wide receivers to me are, you know, you've got you've got the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. But once you're past the cream of the crop, they're all pretty much the same. Any one of them can go off any week. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in our PPR um, area. But, you know, the main thing is if you need two running backs, you have to go out and get two starters. Otherwise, you're going to be hoping that someone gets hurt. You're going to be hoping that uh, a team that may or may not use RBBC, running back by committee, to employ that, or you're just going to draw zero points from running backs or, or maybe one point from a running back in any given week because you can't fill out the roster. Yep. Yeah. Um, obviously we're talking about, you know, talking with like a PPR later, obviously that changes how you would view um, a lot of these positions. Cause like with the receivers you're talking about, there's usually top guys, there's a little bit of a fall off, but then if you get points for catches, you guys like, we'll talk about Julian Edelman uh, a little bit later who gets, you know, 10, 12 catches every, every single game with 60 yards. That's a solid week. Right. You know? So, yeah. The other thing to consider is, you know, um, there are other leagues out there that only one run one running back, possibly two or three wide receivers. They run a tight end and they run a flex. You know, you if you're using a flex spot, you can generally fill in with so many different players that you don't have to have those running backs. But once again, you know, when you when you sign up and you go and start looking at, hopefully you have draft software that allows you to put in the number of teams, the number of positions that you're starting each week, et cetera, and it will help guide you through that process of determining what positions are most important. Now, the software that I've always used obviously puts running backs at a premium in a 16-team, two-running-back league. If I were doing it on my own and I've gone up against enough guys who, you know, they don't use any software, they use the the magazine, mm-hmm. and they hope that their, you know, whatever, whatever those numbers are that they're throwing out that probably aren't including the format that you're using, it doesn't include how it impacts what you're going to draft. And they, they see it and they say, oh, my goodness, you know, Justin Jefferson is, is available. Um, oh, my goodness, uh, Devontae Adams is available. I'm going to take him before I'm going to take my first running back. And then, you know, they come back through and they see another, you know, quality wide receiver or the top one or two tight ends, and they say, I got to have that too. And then come midway through the season, they're getting zero or, you know, a couple of points out of their running backs. And yeah, they're getting good scores out of their wide receivers. But like I said, on any given weekend, any old wide receiver, not any old, but you know, a wide receiver can have a great game. You're playing against a poor defensive team. You're a second wide receiver on a team where a Devontae Adams is getting double covered all the time. And you're going to, you know, he, that other receiver might get a lot of points. So you never know what to expect out of a, a wide receiver, but you know that a certain running back is barely going to see the field if they're a second or third string running back and they're on your team. 
All right, uh, time to talk uh, some PPR, um, point per reception uh, is what that stands for. Uh, you got your full point, your half a point, and then just regular standard scoring where um, you don't get, obviously you don't get points for receptions. Um, so, you know, normally with PPR, full point, uh, your, your top guys are going to be uh, Christian McCaffrey, you know, Again, I've been burned by him twice now, having first pick in my main league uh, two years in a row, him starting out just white hot and then getting hurt and then coming back and then getting put back on IR, ending his season. Um, so with that PPR, you know, a guy like that, um, you know, you get 90 rushing yards, but you're going to get 9, 10 catches for 90 yards. So that right. seems to be a stat line. He's usually well over you know, 140 plus total yards. And if you get lucky, you'll get a rushing touchdown and maybe a receiving touchdown, which gives you extra points as well. Um, you know, so somebody, you look at a CMC versus uh, Derek Henry. Um, obviously, Derek Henry is a monster and gets you just ridiculous amount of rushing yards and touchdowns, but he doesn't catch that many passes. Right. Um, you know, this last season he started to, um, you know, uh, before he got injured, started catching more passes. Uh, so that was nice to see um, coming from him. Um, you know, so this year for like, you know, really the top three picks, you're going to kind of have to choose between, uh, in my opinion, Jonathan Taylor uh, is probably going to be number one. And then two and three, you're going to probably have to be Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey just based off of those. Um, you know, McCaffrey, if he can stay healthy, he can finish the number one back just because of his pass-catching, you know, dominance of that team. <laughs> so, um, you know, plus you got Sam Darnold who, you know, when Sam Darnold was playing out of his mind last year, McCaffrey was, you know, top back pretty much every single week. So Right, and um, a lot, a lot yeah. of that will – you know, take into account, you know, I, like you said, the difference between CMC and, and, um, um, the other guys is the number of catches they, they have. So if you take a Jonathan Taylor or, you know, any of the, the big strong backs that are going to score you the points for running, if you don't have PPR, you can see where that difference lies. If I'm not picking up six or eight or 10 points for all of those receptions, because I'm not in, I'm in a standard scoring, you know, you have to consider what's the most important thing and you have to take that into account when you're drafting. Yep. So that's for me, um, pretty much every year. I just, I do it without realizing my, depending on where I am in the first round, if I'm in the first four or five picks, I usually go with a running back just because the, you know, those top five guys, you know, from, from Jonathan Taylor down to, um, you know, Delvin Cook, even a Nick Chubb, um, kind of, you know, kind of guy. And Delvin Cook's another guy who could finish one overall if he could stay healthy too, right. because he catches quite a few passes and he's an explosive runner. So, um, you know, depending on where you're at, in the, you know, in, with your picks, how many teams, I tend to lean towards going um, running back, and I always always every year find myself looking at my draft going I just flip-flop to the first like four rounds I always usually go running back receiver running back and receiver and then find a value tight end somewhere and that's six-ish, that's know. a 12 team league you yes said? 12 team full point PPR um you know I like last year I ended up getting uh 
I ended up getting um, the Bengals running back. Mixon. Like, yep, Joe Mixon in the third round, and he ended up being very good. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bit of injuries, but uh, yeah. So uh, it, there's just stuff to think about, too, between receivers. Obviously, you got your big-name guys, Devontae, Tyreek, um, you know, Jefferson this year, looking like he might be the number one receiver. Right. Coming off a, a lot of boards for people. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that'll get you only five catches. What it'll be for, you know, right. a buck 80 and two touchdowns. Right, right. And that's yeah. and that's that trade-off in PPR is, are the number of yards important or are the number of receptions important? You know, I, I put together a, a list of players and variants. And, and so the first three players are, are all guys who caught a lot of passes and didn't necessarily have a lot of yards. Um, in 2012, Jason Witten had 110 receptions. And he only had 1,039 yards. Now, 1,039 yards isn't bad, but with 110 receptions, you know, it's it's under 10 yards a reception. In 2003, Ladanian Tomlinson had 100 receptions and only 725 receiving yards. In 2013, Julian Edelman had 105 receptions and 1,056 yards. Now, on the flip side of that... <laughs> kind of tongue-in-cheek there because my first one is actually Flipper Anderson. Um, in 1989, Willie Flipper Anderson had 44 receptions for 1,146 yards. So he had fewer than half of any of those other guys. And let's do a comparison with Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman, 105 catches. Flipper Anderson, 44. Julian Edelman, 1,056 yards. Ju- uh, Flipper Anderson, 1,146 Fewer than half the catches and more yards. Uh, in 2010, Deshaun Jackson had 47 receptions for 1,056 yards. So he had well under half of the catches that Jason Witten did, and he had a few more yards than Jason Witten did. In 2021, Debo Samuel, 77 receptions, 1,405 yards. It, had he had 110 receptions like Witten had? back in 2012, that number is 2,000 yards. So, you know, you kind of look at that and you say, you can get guys that get a lot of yards. You can get guys that have a lot of receptions. And depending upon the format that you're using, I mean, obviously in PPR, the first three guys that I listed are huge. In you just even, I mean, I'll just interrupt. You got Ladini Tomlinson, running back, had Mm -hmm. 100 receptions. That's 100 points. Just right there right. for the entire season. Right. That's why, you know, I compare him to a CMC. That's a CMC stat line. Right. Pretty much every season. The dude's getting just an insane amount of catches for, you know, he's, you know, he's beating out receivers on his own team for yardage and catches in a season. So right. that's why guys like that are just gold. You can't. Right. And that's, and that's yeah. the big reason you look at, you know, so your format comes into play. You, you look at, are we PPR? Are we standard? Are we half PPR? What type of player am I going to look for? Am I going to look for the big yardage guys, as in standard, big yardage and touchdown guys? Or am I going to look for the reception guys, whether it be a running back, a tight end, a wide receiver, who is going to have a bunch of uh, uh, touches and therefore get, you know, a point or a half a point every time they touch the ball from a reception perspective? Yep, and that's why, you know, looking at, like, like Julian Edelman, you know, you go PPR versus standard. You know, 105 catches, that's 100 points. You know, 105 points right there. 
you know, but only just a hair over a thousand yards. If you look at standard, you know, you're probably looking for him somewhere, um, you know, maybe say you've got 15 round draft or something like that, or, or however, you know, 16, you're probably looking at Julian Edelman in anywhere, depends on how your draft's going, anywhere from like round six to eight, potentially, where in a PPR, you know, like in my main league, there were some years there with him and Brady in those last couple of years where he was creeping up into four. Right. You know, just because he has those games where he could get 12 receptions, 12 plus receptions, he might only get you 60 yards, but that's 12 points. You know, he's getting you almost 20 points just by catching a bunch of passes. Right. So. Right. So, so then I, I, took a look a little bit at some outliers that we had uh, from 2019 and 2020. And in 2019, A.J. Brown had 52 receptions, 1,051 yards, 8 TDs. So in a full PPR, he would have scored 205 points. And in a standard scoring league, he would have had 153 points for a difference of 52 points. Now you take a look at a Larry Fitzgerald who had 75 receptions, 25 more 23 more than A.J. Brown, but only had 804 yards and four touchdowns. His PPR totals would have been 179 or almost, you know, 20, 26 points less than, fewer than um, A.J. Brown. And from a standard perspective, he would have only had 104, which is almost 50 points fewer. And the differential between his two are 75 points. So you can see that you really need to look at, again, what format are you using? The outliers from 2020. So Marquez Valdez-Scantling from the Packers had 33 receptions and 690 yards and six TDs. PPR 148, standard 105, difference 43. Greg Ward had 20 more receptions or 53 and only had 419 yards and also had six TDs. So his PPR stats were 141. His standard was 78 78 with a differential of 63. Now, in a PPR league, they're almost the same player, 148 versus 141. But if you get into a standard league, it was 105 versus 78. That, you know, it, it, it really is, you look at where are you, what type of league are you in, standard, PPR, whatever, and you have to consider that when you're going to do a draft. Yep. Yeah. And even, you know, with uh, leagues too, with your scoring format, um, you know, what helps us in our main league, uh, you know, we get uh, 40 plus yard touchdowns, get us an extra, I think, two points. Yep. Um, That's passing as well for your quarterbacks, um, but, you know, receptions. So, yeah, you look at uh, an MVS, you know, he had 20 less catches. But how many of those went, you know, if he could catch it, <laughs> right. if he was uh, wide open, it seemed like he always dropped the ball. So if he caught it, you're looking at, you know, a 40 plus touchdown, you know, a lot of the times for MVS. That's why that PPR scoring, he, you know, edged out Greg Ward by a couple points, right. even though Greg Ward had 20 more catches. So there's, there's. So many things that go into it that you kind of have to think about, especially when you're looking like later rounds at, at guys like this. Um, obviously, like we talked about, your your studs, your Devontes, Tyreeks, those guys are kind of no-brainers. Um, but once you get a little bit later and you're trying to think, you know, find somebody who could give you a pop in a bye week, um, 
you know, fill in in case somebody gets injured who has a couple good spot, you know, weak spots, um, not just in the draft, but free agency as well through the season. Um, you know, stuff like this matters, obviously. So, yep, it's always good to just, you know, know your scoring and, uh, you know, just take all things into, into account. Yep. Next thing we're going to talk about is IDP or individual defensive player. I know a lot of you guys probably use defensive teams when you're playing fantasy football. Um, I know that, you know, I've played both IDP formats and uh, um, regular format where you have just a defensive team. So IDP, actually, usually what you do is you have uh, a number of defensive linemen, which could include edge rushers as long as they are not listed as a linebacker. So in other words, they have to be a defensive uh, lineman. Um, then you've also got linebackers and then you've got DBs who are a combination of safeties and cornerbacks. So the number of IDP players comes into play, obviously. Um, the format that I've played in before, we had five total players. Um, we had one defensive lineman, we had two linebackers, we had one DB, and then we had a flex, and the flex could be any of the three positions. Now, when you look at that, the top scoring guys, well, it, it really depends on your scoring, actually, because um, when you're doing this, um, a, lot of, a lot of formats use tackles versus assisted tackles. So a, a tackle is the main tackler, and the assist goes for that second guy in or the guy who partially helps. So if you're taking two points for a tackle and one for an assist, you can see the advantage of having that guy that gets in there a lot. Um, back in the day, Nick, uh, uh, Keekley was a huge point person because he made so many individual tackles or he was the main tackler. Um, Blake Martinez for years, for a couple of years, was the guy. So you, you had to take that into account how that scored. The other thing is forced fumbles versus fumbles recovered. Forced fumbles um, generally were given two points, whereas a fumble recovered was given four points because the guy recovering gets more of the credit. Tackles for loss, um, while I've never been involved in a league that had tackles for loss, it's something that you can do. Same thing, you could do pressures, you could do, I mean, there are so many different ways to add in scoring to either bring people back to a, a level playing field versus, you know, we had in our format, the most important player was a linebacker, followed by a safety. Your defensive linemen, unless they were edge rushers that weren't considered outside linebackers, you really had to have a guy who was going to get a lot of sacks. Now the sack, you'd get a tackle, two points, and you'd get four points for a sack. But that four points for a sack, so you might get six or eight points out of out of a defensive lineman, a good linebacker is going to get you 20-plus points a week. Um, another scoring potential is passes defensed. Um, it's, it's really, you know, that, that's the same thing with the cornerback versus the safety. What's the value of a safety versus a cornerback? So you take uh, a Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, who throws at him? Well, very few people do. So... He doesn't get many tackles. He doesn't get many interceptions. He actually, he doesn't even get that many passes defensed. 
So why are you taking him, even though he's the best cornerback in football or one of the top three or four, versus a safety who's going to come up and fill on the run. He's going to cover, uh, be involved in more plays. I mean, I've had safeties who score 20 points a game, and that's just off of their tackles. So you really have to look at all of those different things when you're looking at IDP and make a determination. So then once you've decided who your important players are for IDP, you also have to look at how they compare to other positions. We talk about a a tight end. Well, if you're drafting all of your offensive positions and your IDP positions all at the same time, you're going to have to say, well, I can get a linebacker in the fourth round who's going to get me 20 points a week versus a tight end that I can take, you know, several, several, several rounds later who he might get you a few points. You're going to get fewer than the the differential between your top tight ends and your middle tight ends, but you've got a couple of the top linebackers now who are going to get you 20 points each per week. Yeah, even even if you're looking, you know, if you're staring at uh, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, something like that, like the, yeah, you said like third, fourth round. Right. You, you get somebody, you know, like, well, bring up again just because the only time I played IDP um, was uh, just two defensive players. It did, we didn't have positions or anything, just gotcha. two of them. Yep. So I, <laughs> I sold out. I went Blake Martinez and Khalil Mack that year. And I scored a bunch of points because, like we talked about, Blake Martinez, uh, when he was still on the Packers, was just, you know, I believe at least one year led the league yep. in tackles. tackling machine. Just every everything. So many assists on tackles, too, and, right. you know, including the solos. Um, you know, so somebody like that, even, even for a Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, um, you know, and then it kind of falls off a little bit after that, obviously. Um, you know, even then you still have to kind of look at it and go, is it worth to take one of these guys who could on any week, you know, we saw Mark Andrews. I was personally victimized by Mark Andrews like twice last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, even him where you look at one week, he might get you 30 points, but then the next week he gets it eight. And you got a guy, say you got like TJ Watt last year. Mm-hmm. You know, tackles and sacks. Mm-hmm. That dude was probably the IDP guy last year just based off of the amount of sacks that he got alone um, and then all the tackles and, you know, even him, you know, batting down a couple passes here and there. So it's just stuff like that. If you're in that kind of league, you know, you wouldn't think about it because you're thinking fantasy football, you want your offensive players. But if you got IDP, like you said, you could be looking – fourth fifth sixth round at taking a middle linebacker right or a defensive line you know a stud defensive lineman so, exactly yeah next thing we're going to talk about is a dynasty um, draft environment or league and while neither of us have any experience playing in a dynasty league uh, we will just touch on it briefly um, it's not something that we'll necessarily talk about during the season because we'll be talking about whether or not a player is going to perform well or is performing well or isn't performing up to what we expect versus a dynasty league where we we're just comment, commenting on this. A Jamar Chase is a top five or, or 10 draft pick. Well, he's not a top five wide receiver in fantasy football this coming year probably or or you know well depending upon your format 
Um, you know, but he's got longevity. He had amazing numbers during his first year, his rookie year, and he's one year removed from a rookie year. So you take him compared to a Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is one of, if not the best wide receiver in football. And his value is way lower in a dynasty format than someone like a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson or uh, Cooper Cup. I mean, those guys have the value because they have longevity versus, uh, you know, because they'll be playing probably for another eight, 10 years. And Devontae Adams is probably going to play two, three, four more years. Yeah, yeah. Devontae, you know, at a at a elite or, you know, top 10 level receiver, you know, for the next couple of years, he'll probably start falling off after that. Um, but yeah, Dynasty is just so different. Um, you know, like we're talking about, neither of us have any experience in it. Uh, we're actually talking about maybe starting one up um, just to get into that. Um, but yeah, like we're talking about, just completely different mindset when you're drafting, minus the initial draft. Because um, after that, it sounds like you just do rookie drafts, um, you know. Or right, and then you're trading yeah. players, etc. So, yeah. so you're really looking at long-term value versus immediate need. I mean, most of the leagues that you'll play in, you know, every one of the other ones, whether it be keeper or, or redraft, you're going to be looking at players for this year. Dynasty, you're looking at not only this year, but you're looking at next year, five years down the road. 10 years down the road. You don't ever give up those players unless you trade them or you drop them. So if I choose a Jamar Chase in the first round, I've got Jamar Chase until I decide I don't want Jamar Chase anymore. It's really, you own a franchise, you own a football franchise. Here's your team. Now you get to make the decisions as you go along and define how you want to grow your organization and then you bring in those rookies every year. I was looking at a, a a dynasty rankings report, and it had Brees Hall, who, you know, he was he was drafted, I think, in the second round, or yeah, I went to the Jets. I believe. So a second round draft pick this weekend, and he was probably twenty fifth or thirtieth overall on the dynasty rankings, and that's because longevity. You, a running back, has eight good years, maybe, um, depending upon, you know, injuries and, and utilization, etc. And the younger they are and, and have the stats, you know, the, the college stats and everything that, that make them of value, they are going to be the guys that are potentially worth the most. Yep, I agree. So the next thing we're going to talk about is keeper versus redraft leagues. Um, a keeper league is where you have some sort of uh, agreement with the league rules that say you're going to have X number of players that you get to keep going into that next season. Some of the things that matter are, are we playing offense and defense if IDP? Um, or is it just offensive players? Um can you keep certain, you know, are, are there, are there groups of, you know, if you're in, if you're in an IDP league, can I keep say four players and two have to be offense and two have to be defense? 
Um, some of the things are uh, people use time frames. So you can only keep a, a keeper for two years, three years, four years, whatever it is. It depends on what rounds they were drafted in. Um, it, it, it adds differing layers of complexity based on however you want that set up. So you could have, you know, as long as you kept, you're picking someone after the seventh uh, or after the sixth round, that player can be kept the following year and then they can be kept two times and they lose three years of eligibility every year. So a seventh round player becomes a fourth round player, becomes a first round player, and that's how they do it. They also do something sometimes where you'll lose a certain draft pick based on the round that the guy was drafted in the year before or, or you know, whatever. The way I've always played it is it's a straight up, you get to keep three players. So I had Luke Keekley. Guess what? Luke Keekley was on my team until I traded him. Every year going into the draft, he was one of my keepers. I knew that he was the top ranked linebacker. He was going to get me the points. I'm going to keep him. So it really depends on, you know, how the, the, GMs want this structured, how the commissioner sets it up, uh, determines that ahead of time. So now with a redraft league, it's it's a, usually a random selection, and you're going to go in every year, and someone's going to randomize the number of teams, and it's going to determine draft order. In a keeper league, it's generally the last place finisher from the year before is the first drafter in the redraft or in the the next year's draft so you keep everyone keeps their three or four players the draft starts the last place drafts first second to last and so on um you have anything to add on keepers honestly not really i uh same with dynasty i've just never never dabbled into it um i mean all this stuff it, obviously it sounds really interesting like we talked about we're probably going to be starting up a dynasty just right. to get into that um just because it is completely different, you know, keeper just, you know, like Dan said, or Ozzy, sorry, um, says, uh, it's just levels of complexity with everything. You know, if you're starting out and you want something easy, I just recommend, you know, PPR, you know, we're talking is more fun cause you can score more points obviously. But, um, yeah, you know, but if you want to dive right in and do one of these leagues with all the, you know, levels of complexity, the keeper sounds like a good place to start just because you, you know, kind of same for the dynasty. You got to think, you know, next year and the year ahead um, where you're drafting so that can change the value on certain players. You know, you get, um, we bring, you know, brought him up before with PPR, but like a Julian Edelman in the last, like, you know, two seasons he was there, you're not going to, you know, depending on your value of him, you might draft him a little higher because you're like, all right, he's got two good seasons left where he's going to catch, you know, or score a lot. Um, and then after that, he's probably going to retire. So he might be worth it. Then you get rid of him and then you can keep somebody else on your team. If you draft somebody who ends up being a very good player for the next couple of years, <clears throat> um, once you're done with Edelman, throw him to the side you know, choose to keep another player. So it's just, yeah, like I said, just adds in a whole bunch of extra layers to the league and how you think of how you're going to go about selecting your team. That's all we have this week. Hope you enjoyed it and come back for our next episode. This is Ozzy. And this is Ospin. And this is Fantasy Rap, and we can be found at fantasyrap.com. That is fantasywrap.com.